My name is Adam. I have to confess, I taught Tommy the word fortnight. He didn't know it. I said, what, well, we'll do it every other fort, you know, do it fortnightly, right? He looked at me like, what on earth does that mean? It means every other week. Uh, I saw this week, somebody posted that the CDC are recommending that we wear face masks over our eyes as we pump gas in the car <laughs> to prevent shock heart attack and other things that can happen. What a strange week. Uh, this morning, I want to look at some big things and bring it back to some very personal things. I want to look at what's going on around us, but perhaps more importantly, what's going on inside of us. We're going to continue our On Target series. We're going through this New Testament book called Colossians, which is towards the end of the Bible. We're going to be in the third chapter but I want to look at what goes on inside of us and how that affects the world around us. And I'm calling this, we don't do that in here. And we do do that in here. And I want to look at these two subjects and see where you land and see where you need to give more attention or see where you need to make some adjustment. We don't do that in here. We do do that in here. Before I jump into that, I want to welcome a friend of mine, Ryan, who's over here, who's a fellow Englishman who's visiting Mikey and Beth this week. Uh, he's fully on board with groups meeting fortnightly, Tommy. Makes complete sense. Uh, let me start with a story in terms of we don't do that in here, we do do this in here. Uh, my children like ice cream and it doesn't need to be warm. The weather can be like this and they still think that ice cream is a good idea. A little bit like some of the people here that would drink a iced coffee with so much ice on the coldest morning. And I'm like, what are you doing? And you're saying, yes. I don't get that. That's like fortnightly. It's strange. Uh, anyway, we were driving and I said, do you want to get an ice cream? That's such a silly question. The answer is always yes. And there was a Burger King coming up. And I know that Burger King sell really cheap ice cream. And it still makes people happy. So we went through the drive-thru, and when I say cheap ice cream, you can get an ice cream cone at Burger King for about $1.29, which in light of current trends, that's a very good deal. And there's four of us. It's like $5. So I'm in the drive-thru. Four ice cream cones, please. Anything else? Nope, that's it. We're all good. Get to the window, and the person says, the car in front of you paid. You're all good. I said, oh, that's nice. And he said, it's been happening a lot today. A lot of people have been paying it forward. I was like, oh, what should I do for the car behind? Uh, the girls are there. My wife is there. We're in the car. I don't know if you make different decisions depending on how many people are watching you. You know that we do do that in here. We don't do that in here. This is one of those moments. And I said, okay, I will pay for the car behind. What did they order? <laughs> because I knew that actually the odds were I'm coming in at $5. This is probably going to go the other way. Part of me was like, I don't want it to be one of these huge big minibus kind of people mover vans with like six football players in that supersized everything. But there's always a chance. I did glance in the rearview mirror. 
But I glanced as I was already saying yes and passing my credit card, and it didn't turn out too bad. But in some ways, this silly analogy is where this begins, because it's good and it's right to pray for the world, but most of the things that we will do in the world that will change the world are the individual decisions that we make inside of us. Most of these things start with what are we doing here and how does that affect those around us? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Colossians. We're going to the third chapter and we're in verse 11. Verse 11. So this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church. It's another one of these letters that was written in a particularly relevant context of the church exploring what does it mean to be the church of God? What does it mean to be a community of people following Jesus? Uh, It has a historical setting, but it has a timeless application where we read it today and go, oh, it kind of sounds like the world I live in. That's... That's why we're here. That's what we're looking at. I'm going to read it from 11 to 14, and then we're going to go through the text and let some of it expand further. Verse 11 to 14. It says this. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I'm going to read it again because it's short. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. As a church, we want the scriptures to speak to us and to shape us. And this is one of those passages that makes so much sense if we can get some of these things right. So we do do this in here, we don't do this in here. We don't do that in here. Let's look at this first. The passage begins with the word, here. Paul is writing this letter. 
He is someone who's experienced Jesus in a way that's changed him, and he's now showing others in the church, which means the people of God, how we can live and what the story of Jesus means and how it changes us. And he's saying here. When he says here, he's not talking about a geographical location. He's talking about this group of people. If you are part of this community of God, this family of Jesus, this this relationship, this bride-bridegroom connection where we are the people of God, we're the people that are trying to work out what it means to follow Jesus, then you are in the here. He's saying here we don't do some things, but we do do other things. And he starts with, if you're here, these are some of the things that we don't do. And it's important because many of us used to. And he goes on, here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. What does that mean? Here, the new creation, the family of God. This is what we're part of. Therefore, this needs to be applied in the way we live. The Gentile or Jew speaks about being excluded or included. Even in Jesus' day, the religious leaders were unbelievably restrictive in terms of who was in and who was out. And it was to do with wealth and intellect and how much you can remember from the first five books of the Old Testament to whether you're wealthy or poor or from this area. Can anything good come out of that area? They even said that of Jesus. These barriers that brought restriction. And the Jew-Gentile one was massive. And Paul begins by saying, those barriers don't exist in here. We don't do that moves on. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Circumcision was prized in Israel. It was loaded with symbolism that made them special. And there, by default, they saw other people as not special. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. We don't do that in here. We see the fingerprints of God on all of humanity, on all of creation. He moves on. Barbarian. And Scythian, what do these words mean? Barbarian was a contemptuous word used in the Greek world for anyone who did not speak their language, who did not sound like them or look like them or act like them. There was a sense of arrogance and superiority that they're different and therefore different must be wrong. And he's saying, we don't do that in here. And then it moves on. The distinction of slave or free. The separation of wealth, of owner and owned. Timeless. The ancient world, like the modern world, with an elaborate network of prejudice, suspicion, and arrogance, so ingrained as to be thought as natural and normal. And we're reading this, and to the people that are here, we're learning, we don't do that in here. Why don't we do that in here? Because Christ is all and is in all. The difference, the ethnicities, the cultures, the language, the contrasts of income. Christ is in it all. He's in it all. 
He turns up in places where we're surprised. And he goes before us. He's in it all. He, the pre-existent image of God, is the one whose being underlines all of human nature. All of human nature. We have these narrow boxes and we label and bring restrictions. And Christ is in it all. We're the ones that are excluding ourselves because of our narrow mindset. And this author, Paul, is writing to the church. The church being the people that say, yes, I'm here. And he's saying, we don't do that anymore. Wherever one looks at humanity, we see the fingerprints of God. It's important to say this. Christ is all and is in all is not me saying that diversity, variety, cultures, colors, languages, and tones aren't important. They are. We celebrate the diversity. Some say every other week and some say fortnight, and that's both okay. We aren't trying to blend and say we don't see the contrast. We celebrate the variety and the rich diversity in the world that's so bigger than our mindset often allows it to be. We celebrate it all. But Christ is in all, and Christ is all. What does that mean? What he's saying is this. The only thing that's important The only thing that we can see the difference between one or the other isn't to do with income or color or language or tone or cultural background. It's to do with, is Christ all to you or is he not? That's the only separation. That's the only thing that actually counts. While the other things are interesting and we celebrate diversity, the only thing that really counts is, is Christ all to this person Is he in all, or is he being restricted from being in all? Because that person's saying no. Jesus described himself as the one who stands at the door and knocks. And for those who come in, he comes in fully. He is in all. The only separation, the only distinction, the only thing that really is important when we've lived our life is who said yes, Christ come and be my all, and who didn't. That's the only thing that separates. And that's not a separation that we recognize that some are in or some are out. That's a separation that drives us to say, oh my goodness, Christ wants to be in all, and he's asked us to take that message to all. That's got to energize us. So I've looked at that we don't do that. What do we do? This is important. Verse 12 In the same way that verse 11 began with the word here, which means here, verse 12 has this shift. Therefore, which means we don't do that, but we do do this. Listen up to this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself, hear that word, with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together. These are the things that we are meant to do. If you are part of that family of God, the here, these are the things that we do want to do. 
uh, I saw this picture this week. Let's put the picture of the strollers on the screen. You may have seen it. This is a picture of strollers that were left at a train station by Polish parents who recognized that as people were fleeing the border, some of them left in a hurry, and there were young families and children that left with the bare minimum of what they could carry, so let's bless them and receive them well. Compassion. If you're part of the here, the people of God, these are the kind of things that we do do. Kindness. I've just showed a picture of the other side of the world. Let's go a bit more local. Look at this next picture. This is Lynn Ministries, which means love your neighbor now. In about an hour's time, they're going to be feeding people about a mile and a half to my left, your right, in the center of Brockton. People who are suffering homelessness. People who, for one reason or another, life has not worked out as yet as they probably hoped that it would. And good people are going to smile and give them some food. Which sounds like the work of Jesus, because I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. And there's people in this church that serve and volunteer to do that. And there's other people in this church that serve and make packed lunches and other things. As a church, uh, as a board, we gave over the winter, aware that during the winter is one of the toughest times to be living outside. Most of us grumble about the cold. I do a lot. I live in a house with a fire. I don't sleep in a park. We want to be kind. We want to be generous. We want to give. Because we do do that in here. Kindness. Humility. Well-known quote. Never look down on somebody unless you're going to help them up. Humility is a challenge. Humility is harder to recognize. It's harder to put a photo on the screen and say humility looks like this. If you announce yourself as being humble, you're not. It doesn't work like that. It's the gentleness. It's the sincerity. It's the not taking oneself too seriously, but preferring one another. We do do that in here. Gentleness. This is something that I've seen about needs. I've just used the example of people that are looking for their next meal. And often that's what we think of when we think of needs, and it's very relevant and biblical. I've found some needs in people who probably would tell you that they have absolutely no needs. We are in one of the most affluent states, in one of the most affluent countries. And some of us live in very affluent towns. And I've met people and had conversations where they have nothing. They are hopeless. And this message of good news is for them as much as it is for the person who's grateful for the sound which is going to be made for them tomorrow. This is not a restrictive message for some that are needy and some that aren't. We're all needy. Let's not take ourselves too seriously. This gospel, this good news is for all because Christ wants to be in all. And I've got some needs and you probably have too. Patience. This is a funny one. I think if I said, how would you score yourself on patience? Most people would try and land and try and tell you that we're somewhere in the middle. I probably would try and tell you I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not entirely convinced that's always true. Last week, I flew. I've flown fairly often. 
there is a moment in the pre-boarding where it's like everyone suddenly straps on running shoes. There is this order of sequence of who gets on first. And lots of us like to travel with the biggest case that we can convince them is a carry-on case because we don't want to check it. Now, this spurs the race that's about to start because most of us know there's not enough overhead bin space for everyone's carry-on bag that's almost certainly too large and probably should have been checked. So there is this moment of, okay, when you can, you go. You go, 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 and you shove your bag in, and you sit quickly. There is this moment, who goes first? Then you've got the people that paid for the pricey seats at the front, and then you've got everyone else. You've got the people that have got the young baby. And they say, people that are traveling with children, there's always this conversation, well, what does children mean? At what age? Legally, 18. I don't know if it works like that. And then you've got other people that fly regularly, and they're looking at their status level, who gets on first. And suddenly, patience goes out the window. It is a rush It is a, let's dash, let's go, let's grab our space. I'd like to tell you I don't play this game. I probably do play this game. Last week I flew with the girls and I said to the girls, girls, stick with me. I can go on a bit earlier. I will carry your bag, Esther. We will run. (laughs) We did that. We got on the plane and the plane was like 75% empty. But I looked around, and we all still did the thing. (laughs) Patience is hard. We still did the thing. After I had done it, and I'd rushed on foolishly and grabbed the bags quickly, and then looked around and saw empty seats everywhere and thought, Adam, you really didn't need to do that. (laughs) Patience is a challenge. But it's in the list. And one of the reasons it's in the list is because we're not very good at this. But it's one of the things that if you're part of the here, we're meant to be doing this. Kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, patience. This short passage ends with two words that are really intentional and loaded with application in terms of what does it mean? What does it look like? It says this, Therefore, as God's holy, dearly loved, clothe yourself with these things. And then later on, it says, and over all these things, put on love. Let me give you an analogy. If this jacket represents love, the author is saying, when you woke up in the morning, you probably weren't wearing it. You have to intentionally put it on. Because most of us would like to think that if this jacket represents love, most of us would like to think that we're wearing it all the time. We don't know what it's like not to wear the jacket. I sleep in it all the time. Yeah, it's probably not true. And there's some mornings you probably began in a hurry, found yourself driving, and you're instantly annoyed really early. Why is that? Because it doesn't start. It's not our natural orientation. We're fallen. We're flawed. We're broken. We're fragile. And God, in his grace and mercy, wants to help us. And he says things like, clothe yourself, put on love. There's some intentionality. We like the stories of the strollers and the kindness. And you're hearing Mike telling the story of rushing to get on the airplane, saying, oh, I wouldn't do that. Most of us do things all the time that we probably wouldn't want to admit to do. And of course, you pay for someone's food in the queue behind you in the drive-thru. 
intentionality is required in all these things. This is not just a teaching that is interesting, like a piece of art that you look at. This only works if you do it, if you put on love, if you clothe yourself in these things, because in our fallen, sinful way, we don't start the day like this, but we can, because if you're part of the here, we say, God, help me to clothe myself in the love that you want me to wear, because that's what people will sense and smell. And I want people to hear the story of Jesus, but often they sense the presence of Jesus before they hear the words of my proclamation and what I'm going to say. They'll see it, they'll smell it, they'll sense it. Clothe yourself. Put on love. I want to recognize one of the challenges that, that the world is having and that we're having. Prices of things are crazy. Economies all over the place. Lots and lots of uncertainty. Stock markets are like a roller coaster, which isn't much fun to ride. Uh, as mentioned about the price of running a car. Some of you had the shock this week that the dollar store is no longer a dollar store. And it's now a $1.25 store, which just doesn't sound the same. I use these examples because in our humanity, there is a tendency to react when things do this. The tendency is when things get harder, we hold things tighter. We clench our fists. We hold things tighter. We quote and tell stories as to why we can't do certain things. We tell these stories in a way that we would like to be able to do this, but this is why I can't. I've heard this in myself. I've heard this in others. We as a church believe in bringing tithes and offerings. It's in the Bible. I've heard people, good people, with well-meaning and rehearsed speeches as to why they can't do that, but it's wonderful that somebody else can. I understand the cost of prices, the cost of living, and all those other things. But I want to challenge you, what is your stance during these moments? What is your reaction during these moments? This is where it's a challenge. I'm going to say this as a church. I mentioned that we believe in tithes and offerings. A tithe is to bring a tenth of our income and give it to the church to serve the mission of the church. We, we, we believe that. It's in the Bible. But the church has a responsibility to act what we do with that. This week, uh, as a church, our leadership team agreed that we would give a gift to support the Ukraine-Russia conflict that we would give money to a Christian organization that's delivering aid. I'm not coming to ask you for that. We've already decided that we will give to that. As a church, we want to be people that give. We want to be generous, compassionate, kind. Every week, we provide the opportunity for you to bring your tithes and offerings, and most of you do so electronically, and it's wonderful. It helps. It's sustained. As a church, we don't run on a big margin. The margins are are lean and tight. The reason they're lean and tight is because we want to be effective with the funds, not amass a huge reserve. But I want to say this to you. In the same way that we say, please give and worship with your tithes and offerings, I want to say this. If you are in need, we want 
to give to you. We don't want to be a church that just asks you to give to us. We want to give to you. And I want to broaden this even wider. If you know someone that's in need, a friend, a relative, a neighbor, somebody on your street, it may be an elderly person or someone who's lost a job or someone whose car's died and you know about it. We want to give. They do not need to be a Christian. They don't need to come to our church. I don't mind if they've never given anything. I don't mind if they're not even a very nice person. We want to give to them. Because we do do that in here. I'm going to be very practical for a moment. Tommy asked you to take pictures of a circle. Uh, Sean, let's put the email address on the screen. If you know anyone in need, or if you are in need, please email us this week. And we are part of the here, the New Testament church, and therefore we will seek to do something. Care at sscma.com, because we do do that in here. And now, finally, in a different direction. Talks about what we don't do, talks about what we do do, and that this is this. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is hard. This is a moment where people get stuck. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Or to quote Jesus, freely you have received, therefore freely give. This is hard. This is not easy. It's incredible the things that our brain and memory forgets, but it's remarkable the things that stick, that we remember. Sometimes we don't remember them in our mind, but we're still shaped by them. Forgive. I want to pray about this with you. I want to explore this for a moment. So that's where we're going to land. Why don't we stand? I want you to close your eyes for a moment. We're, we're not going to go straight into the next song. I just want to pause for a moment. If there are things that have been highlighted in this passage, and it may be in the we don't do this section, or it may be in the we do do this section, and you're thinking, there's some things that I do that I need to stop doing, uh, I commend you to give intentionality to that challenge. And then if there's some things that you're not very good at doing, kindness, compassion, love, whatever it is, uh, I commend you to some intentionality into that, to use the jacket analogy, to put it on, because naturally it's probably not, not being worn. But there's something about this forgiveness thing that is more than just the teaching. I feel that there's some people that are probably stuck, and you may not know you're stuck. You may have felt like Life should be better than it is, but things just are stuck. And I wonder if there's some forgiveness issues. As we were praying, I felt that there's somebody uh, 
and you may be joining us online or you may be in the room uh, and there was a relationship that broke down and you were hurt and you were wronged and you were grieved and I don't think God wants to debate that and you've debated it many times and you've wrestled with it many times and you've rehearsed why you were the the, the right one and, and you probably were God's a loving father he doesn't want to help you win the battle he wants to heal your heart if if you're carrying that wound and you may not even know you are maybe you just feel stuck I want to encourage you to forgive as the Lord forgave you and that's hard so maybe it's as simple as father God help me to forgive it's a little bit like the jacket. We didn't sleep in it. It's not our natural orientation to do so. Lord, for anyone here that's stuck because forgiveness is hard, Lord, I pray that they would feel the healing of the Father. The Father that forgives us. Very few of us would recognize that we don't need forgiveness. Lord, help us to forgive. Amen. Living like this is not about ourself and our own efforts. It's not that some people are better at this than others. It's about being filled with God's spirit to live as he wants us to live. On our own, we're going to struggle. If there's things that have been said this morning in the message, or if it's the subject of forgiveness that's a challenge for you, then, then we would love to pray for you. We're going to sing a song about the God of miracles. Because the God of miracles can do all these things on our own. We can't do hardly any of them. We absolutely need to be filled and led and fueled by the God of miracles. But sometimes we struggle and we get stuck. If you need prayer, we would love to pray for you. And then lastly, I mentioned the finances. We joke about the cost of gas, but it's not funny for some people. It's a, it's a deal breaker. I heard a sentence this morning in my head and I felt the Holy Spirit say there's somebody who said that exact sentence this week and it's someone who is struggling and is in financial need and the sentence that you've used I'm going to be you've used this sentence within the last two weeks you've said my back is against the wall if that's you come forward for prayer and speak to me privately I want to help you because we do do that in here. So we're going to worship and we're going to pray for each other. If 